welcome back everyone. Um, this is our monthly podcast and my name is Shasta Miller and I'm a field support manager with the Missouri Children's Division. And I'm Jessica Hugstep. I'm a supervisor with the State of Missouri Children's Division. And today we have some exciting guests, um, the Goodwins. Um, they are currently foster parents for us um, at the Children's Division. Um, the Goodwins, would you mind to introduce yourself, kind of tell us who you are and how long you've been fostering? I'm Mickey Goodwin. I'm a pastor in Dunkling County, and um, we have been fa- we have been fostering for uh, almost two years. And I'm Amanda, and um, I currently am a work for the for the state. Um, and like you said, we've been fostering for about two years. So Amanda, I'm really curious. You work for the state. So what department? Um, I work for. I'm a city clerk. Oh, awesome. Okay. Well, again, thank you guys for, you know, your willingness to come and share your story. Um, So to start off, um, what really led you guys to get into this this fostering? Um, What was in your heart, and how did you come to us? So um, several years ago, we were in the process of an adoption, and the adoption failed after the child was born. Um, this was in another state, and um, sort of we just backed off and decided, you know, maybe this is not the time. Um, we have two daughters who are both um, grown, one who is currently in college and one that's graduated from college. And so once they both graduated, you know, were out of the home, we decided that we would just foster, not necessarily to adopt or anything like that, just um, to foster. And when we first started out, we thought, let's gear our time toward teenagers we know that that is an age group that's probably the hardest to get people to help with it sure is Um, definitely and um so we that was our our motive was to you know we were empty nesters um we had been empty nesters for about a year and um just decided that we thought it was a great idea and it was a good time in our life to do it so what age range do you guys accept into your home um, well, we started out doing mostly teenagers, but um, there was a sibling group that had some younger children involved that they asked us about, um, and we decided to go ahead and open our home up for younger children. So we have had from birth all the way up to 17, I think, yes. is the oldest oh, wow. that we've had. Wow. So you've had the, the whole gamut. Um, we have. <laughs> that, that's amazing. So, you know, I bet you have a lot of advice to share. Um so back to the teenagers, um, I want to dig into that because you're exactly right. We, we have a lot of homes that um, don't necessarily want to take teenagers in, in their home. And um, can you share a time when they're, you had a teenager placed with you and um, how you helped them like through their adolescence and any advice you could share in that experience? So we had a group, a sibling group of three teenage girls they were middle age up till I think about 15 or 16 I can't remember exactly how old the oldest one was but um they had had a difficult background um with losing parents and so we ended up having one of those children for like seven months I believe it was and just to watch the difference in that child from the time that they came to our home until they left was just unbelievable he went from being super shy, quiet, um, to very outgoing, um, okay. did well in school, um, loved the other children in the home. So we found that that middle school age group was a really good group for us because we also, like I said, have two daughters. And so having, you know, girl teenagers in our home was, was very beneficial and just watching her just come out and not be the shy little little girl, you know, through all the hurt that she had been through and the pain she had been through. It was amazing just to be able to see her change yeah. because she felt loved by yeah. not just us, but through other people in our home, our daughters. Right. That That would be amazing to see and go through. And I was just wondering, um, what do you think that you and your husband did to help with that change? Um, I feel like a lot of it was just stability um, and also just sitting down and, 
and talking to her yeah. and like finding out who she really was and what she enjoyed and those things that she did enjoy trying to do those things with her and giving her avenues to to talk and to explain you know some of what she's been through and had went through and what her hopes and dreams were one of those three young ladies that lived with us you know made the statement i'll never get to go to college and i was like why would you not and she said there's just no way the fact that we were able to say yes there is a way we can make this happen if you're still with us and when you become that age i think it just gave her hope for her future Mm -hmm. and let her see that that there is people out there that is willing to help them have the same outcome in life as my also you know as my biological children yeah i think that's really go ahead i think a a big misconception is you know asking questions when when we first started getting children we were kind of afraid to ask questions because of the trauma but i found out that the children are are waiting to to voice their their you know the situations of their life and so we we found that asking questions is 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 a huge door opener yeah, absolutely. Mickey, I'm so glad you said that because I think too often, right, we 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 are kind of, and I think our foster families are kind of nervous to approach that, right, which I, I think what, you're, what I'm hearing you say is you have to approach that, right? Like you have to ask those questions not only to show that you're there for them and listening, but so that they can feel comforted and that someone's there for them. So I think that's really, that's awesome, and I'm so glad you shared. Um you said something earlier about the the three that were placed, uh, the three girls, um, and they came to you because they lost their parents. Uh, did they lose their parents through, you, were they deceased? Like, how did they enter and lose their parents? So the when we first got the three girls, the father had passed away, I think about a, a year and a half to two years before they came into care. Um, I'm not exactly sure of all the reasons they came into care. Um, I know that it had something to do with um, living conditions and um, some drug usage. But while they were in care, their mother passed away. Oh, wow. Um, so, so they pretty much were, you know, were, were orphans at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but thankfully they had a family member who lived in another state who had been trying to get custody of them and had started the process. So at one point, all three of the girls were separated in different homes. Um, We had got down to just having one of those. One of them needed some help and and was put in the facility to get some help. And Mm -hmm. and she did get it, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. And then the other one went back to a previous foster home. So, But at the end, they were all put back together and they are all currently living with other family members um and and they're doing great we get to see them from time to time um a matter of fact my daughter just saw them this past week and um they're thriving they're doing great that's awesome and we we hated to leave our to lose the little girl that we had for so long because she was a joy for sure yeah but we're happy that they're all together now yeah that's amazing and i you said so much there that i really want to dig into um so you mentioned family um the three girls um you know, eventually, as of today, right, with their family member, how have you, as a foster family, how do you work alongside biological family? Well, unfortunately, most of the children that we have had, um, there's not been a whole lot of contact with the family members. Okay. Um, we do have three children in our home now. They are all three siblings, um, different, couple different um fathers involved um and up until maybe like three months ago we were we were seeing mom every week and um we actually would speak to her over facebook messenger um and things like that but and and you know do our part and try to give advice yeah uh, yep. to, to yep. better her life yeah yeah yep. and, and try to like you know just different avenues of things that we could say hey You'll contact these people they may can help you with this or you know that kind of thing but unfortunately we've not had any contact in the last couple of months 
So not sure exactly what's going on with that. Yeah, so I want to hit on that in a second. But um, that really warms my heart because I think exactly what you're saying, connecting with biological family, supporting, giving them advice, um, that's exactly what we would want. That's that's what we that's what we shoot for, right? Um, is to really build those connections, make a build a better community. And so I'm so glad to hear you say that. Well, I'm right because if the biological parents doesn't have a support system, a support, they it's going to make them harder to reunify with that's their right. kids. That's so right. uh, what I'm hearing you say, um, the good ones, is you are part of that support. You're there. You're available. Um, to any biological parent um, so you can assist in any way to help them get their kids back right yeah we've done some um we've actually supervised some visits so that Mm -hmm. they could get the visit yeah with this life group that we have and because at one point it was just you know hard for us for them to have you know visits because of having someone that could supervise so it's been where we could do that some so that's been you know a good a good time spent two hours together just talking about what that person's going through you know the progress that they've made their goals and that kind of thing yeah so you guys had also said you would just mention that um visits were happening with the the uh, the kiddos in your home now and then all of a sudden visits stopped so yes. what does that look like for you guys as a foster parent? How have you supported them? Because we hear that a lot. We do. That, we definitely do. And it's devastating for kids. So how have you supported them and dealt with that? And uh, tell us about that. It, it's been a little hard in the beginning. Um, but now the children we have are all relatively young. Um, only one of them actually understands the situation. Um and, and basically, you know, we've tried to be as honest as we can. Um, we actually have guardianship of two of those children now. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, and, and we actually go back to court for the third one coming up very soon. That's great. Um, so real quick, I want to interject and, here because I'm curious. So when you accept these kiddos into your home, are you thinking, like, long-term, like you're willing to have placement long-term, rather that be guardianship or adoption, or you just kind of see how it goes? Um, I can honestly say when we started this, there was no thoughts of adoption um, because we are, I mean, we're not old, but we are older, <laughs> and our children are grown. Okay. But, yeah. you know, we've had two of these children in our home for 18 months now. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So they're just part of us now. Yeah. So yeah. we're willing to do whatever, you know, if yep. it comes down to keeping them longer that it, it is what it is and we're fine with it you know if it becomes more permanent than that then yeah we're we're willing to cross that bridge i love that that's really great i love that that you guys have open hearts and you're willing yeah. to be whatever those kids need right if it's just yeah. temporary yeah meaning foster care meaning that the goals reunification or what have you or if it's long-term permanency um forever right so i really love to hear that definitely and i was curious um so do you know about how many kids you've had in and out of your home since you've been licensed i I believe there's between 10 and 15. okay 10 and 15 in about two years wow between 10 to 15 yeah we i think two years is actually like march okay um i believe is when our second year will be up We've had some emergency placements, and we've had some that we knew was only going to stay for a short amount of time. Um, And we've had, you know, a couple of siblings. I think we've had three sibling groups. Yes. So. So our our slogan around the house is, we'll love them while we got them. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's great. You guys just gave me chills. That's. We got them. That's. That's amazing. Okay, if I steal your slogan, don't be mad at me. Right, right. I'll give you credit. (laughs) Right. So what would you two say has been the most rewarding for you guys being foster parents? Or, you know, the most rewarding moment, whatever you'd like to share. Um, I would definitely say, like, one one side of it is the fact that when you get a child that you know has got some health issues, and they're, mm-hmm. you know, smaller than what they should be, and they're not healthy as they should be. And to watch them grow and to watch them gain weight and watch their whole health turn around 
is very rewarding. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. You know, watching the, the young teenage girl we had that just completely bloomed and just whole demeanor changed. She went from being coming in the house and you could just see the sadness on her face to hearing her giggle and hear her smile and laugh and, yeah. and you know, be able to ask for something and know that she was going to be able to get it. Yeah, um, that's great. You know, and things like that, um, as far as, you know, our, on our side, unfortunately, like I said, we've not had a lot of um, reunification with parents, mm-hmm. but most of the children we've had has been in foster care for unfortunately a long time. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, we haven't, unfortunately, we have not gotten to see the joys of them going back home as yeah. much as we would like to. Um, but getting to see those three getting to move in with the, with the family member and the fact that they were so excited that they were going to get to right. do that with their siblings, you know, that, that was very rewarding. Right. Um, because they're with so their family. I, 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 yeah, because they were getting to get back with family. You know, it, it's sad because her scenario when we first got her was she didn't care what the living conditions was as long as she could be with her family. Yep. And when she got to go back and be with family, but it be in a good atmosphere and it being someone that was going to take care of her, just the fact that her demeanor was just so much different and just the excitement was unreal. Right, because um, her family and siblings, it's they're always connected no matter what. No matter yeah. if kids get exactly. adopted, yep. they're always going to wonder, who's my biological family? Who yep. are my connections? Right. So, yeah. yes, definitely. And that makes me really happy. It's definitely that- rewarding watching their health change and watching yeah. them just grow. Yeah, and you know what? I, I, I'm so thankful that you're fostering because you really do foster that that connection. And I think sometimes we forget, right, as foster families, that um, that's a big part of your role is to not only care for the kids, but to foster those connections with the biological family and make sure it's in a safe way, and and so they can thrive. So I just love I love hearing that. Um, and I, I was wondering, um, we've talked to, you guys have shared um, some success stories and great things so far. And I was just wondering, before you got into fostering, did you guys have any reservations in becoming foster yeah. parents? And if so, can you share those? Yeah, obviously, you, 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 you know, you count the cost of what you're doing. And there's always, there's always a high cost of of bringing someone into your home and for every success story that we have there you know all of them are not success stories and that's that's something that kind of takes a portion of you and and you know that's coming you know that it's going to be there but um i don't think i was ready i don't think i was ready for the impact that you know a child leaving has on your home yep Yeah. Mickey, I'm glad you said that because I think that's something we hear a lot is some people's reservations is I don't want to get too attached and then them leave my home. So how have you, that's been hard for you. um, How have you dealt with that? I think going in knowing that it's a possibility helps. Yep. But I also, I don't know, we, we love, we love as hard as we can and then you know it, there's going to be times where you're hurt because they're you know they're leaving or you're hurt because something doesn't go how you think it should go mm-hmm. and so um, I think you just have to prepare uh, for those days yep right and would you say that like as a foster parent you have to be very flexible uh, very flexible yes <laughs> uh, you, Schedule, schedule really uh, gets thrown out, you know, and, and you just kind of, unfortunately, fly by the seat of your pants. Right, right, definitely. And, and that's so true. That's what I've heard from a lot of foster parents, right? And what, um, what kind of attributes do you think makes a good foster parent? Uh, love. I mean, love. That, yep. the love that kind of gives stability and, and, and gives power to the children that may not have felt that for for their time or their life. Yep, yep. So 
I mean, we've hit on some really challenging aspects we of fostering, have. right? Yeah. Um, so how, what supports do you utilize when you're going through those challenging times? Well, with the three children that we have now, um, we had a very good caseworker. Um, That's that's nice to hear. That makes me happy. Yeah, I cannot speak any higher of her. Um, She was always a phone call away. Unfortunately, she no longer works with with children's division. Oh, no. Yeah, but she has, I mean, she's been with us since we got the kiddos. And we've had her for a couple other children also. Oh, but really? She, yeah, and she has. She really was top notch. Oh. Um, and, and I, I can honestly say that if we had any questions or any, you know, anything, she was right there. Um, and we've had, we have been able to um, make some connections with our local um, DHS offices, and we know quite a few of those people in there. That's good. Um, and have been able to, you know, if there's an issue, just to call one of the supervisors or call one of them. Um, CASA has been a great asset to us. Um, the young lady that helps us through CASA, she's been wonderful. So we've had a lot of, um, of support from the actual, you know, DHS and the, the company that we have these children through, you know, the contract company. But, um, and then, you know, we have a big support group here as far as, um, church members we we don't live we live right here in our community where our church is but this is not where we're from we're from alabama originally so we have no family here mm-hmm. um but our church has been has been great um you know church members take the village and they've all it been right really does yep. and um and so definitely between the church and then you know definitely dhs workers case worker like i said great lady great lady <clears throat> So, and I just wanted to clarify this for the listeners. At CASA, she said, is a court-appointed special advocate. It's an advocate for just the child. So, like, they help get the child's voice heard. So, I just wanted to make that and um, distinguish. And you said a contract company. Are you talking about that your caseworker is through a contracted agency? Yes. Yes. Okay. And when you say caseworker, you and mean the caseworker of the kiddos, not your licensing worker, right? No, no, no. Now, we did have a um, dynamic. I, yeah, our, the lady that came out and did our home inspection and all of our interviews and all that, wonderful also. That's really um, great. We really had no bad experiences yes. from from that side of it at all. That's really good. Um, and we have a new licensure, license lady, and she's great, too. I mean, she came and just talk to us and and we've had great experiences with all that that's what i love to hear that's really awesome especially jessica and i here we're we work for the agency and we love hearing positive things like that um when you talk about caseworkers i think this is worth discussing so um for our listeners and someone out there who's maybe interested in fostering as a foster parent there is a lot of people that come in in and out of your home constantly right they're coming in and out how do you deal with that that constant revolving in your home contacting you um in the beginning it was very overwhelming Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but over time we just tried to make a better schedule um there's days that i do i don't work there's days he does not work so we try to schedule everything on those two days a week, um, and they understand that, and they work with us to make that happen. That's great. Um, and so that I think that's made it a little bit easier, um, and they've been willing, you know, to work around that. Definitely. And so that's helped a lot. I know I would lose it if I didn't have everything in my calendar <laughs> and organized. Yeah. I definitely would lose it. Yeah. Um, well, listen, when you have one child, it's one thing, but when you have three... Right. A whole nother ball game. That is definitely yeah. true. Yeah. Um, and I, I made a note of this. Uh, siblings. Siblings. Yeah. So you've been talking a lot about sibling groups. So um, what's your what's your thought about taking sibling groups? I mean, obviously you have. And what's the benefits of that? I think um, I grew up in a, in a large family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the just the camaraderie between... Yep. You know, siblings is, is an important growth resource. And so I think um, when we started taking sibling um, groups, 
I could see how how close the bond was. Even even in infants, you can see how close the bond is. So it it gives us a, a I guess a good understanding of you know just the nature of of a family group. I'm so glad you said that. Right. Um, constantly, Jessica and I are talking about we have to keep these siblings together, even infants. Um, so I think you just you just nailed it. Um, because they, I mean, that's their family, and that's who I, they identify with. That's somebody like them. When yeah. they're in a strange situation, when they're put into a foster home like the good ones, they have a sibling there they can lean on. And, and that sibling's going to be with right. them forever. Right. Um, Definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the situation we have right now, we had the two kids that were bro- brothers, and there was a third child born mm-hmm. in the time that we had, and they called us like, you know, would you be willing? And at first we were like, no, we can't do this. Not a newborn. <laughs> but now we're like, we couldn't imagine it being any different because the bond between them is unbelievable. Yep, yep. But even though they're, they're young. The, the bond between them has just been amazing. Yeah, it's that. And you know, if that, one of them's not home and the other two are, they're asking where the third one is. Oh, it's that biological love, right? That's everlasting and forever there. Absolutely, it's yep. their identity. Yep. You know, that's yeah. that's someone like them, definitely. So, at one at one point, we had six kids in our home, and it was amazing to watch even the bond between. The children that were not biological. Yeah, right. Um, that they grow, you know, to, they're there together, and they know, you know, they begin to know each other. And when the young lady moved out of our home, the three other ones was like, "Wait a minute, where's she at?" Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and so it was. It was amazing to even watch their bond. Yeah, definitely. So. Six kids. I know that's capacity for our agency, but yes. I have to ask this. How in the world did you handle six kids? Um, well, four of those were teenagers. So okay. That was interesting. Okay. Yeah, I bet that was. <laughs> um, I'm not sure that, that you handle that situation. <laughs> I think it handles you. Hey, you know. I think you're right. You just kind of got to go with the flow and do the best you can, huh? Absolutely, absolutely. So in thinking of that, what would you two, what kind of advice would you give to someone thinking about becoming a foster parent? Ask a lot of questions. Be be very open with your concerns um, and expect that in, in return. Um, you know, with our, with caseworkers at times, sometimes they are, they're a little, more quiet mm-hmm. about the situation and I'm like I needed to know this yeah. so mm-hmm. um, I think just a open communication is, is a big thing yeah and having the confidence to ask those questions right and I oh, think yeah. that's a little bit of Absolutely. it too um, so well, let's play let's have a little fun so I'm a, one of your friends and I come to you and I say uh, you know, I've been really thinking about fostering, and, um, you know, I'm just kind of 50-50. What do you think I should do? So we have some friends that are in that, in that exact scenario right now. Huh. And um, what they have contemplated it. They're in another state, but they have contemplated it multiple times. And we're like, go for it. That's if awesome. If are ever going to do it, now's Yay. the time. Good. Good. They just got to step in. Go ahead and do it now. That's awesome. I would I would say do, if, do it while your children are the same age of the fosters because now that our children are kind of out, mm-hmm. it makes it – there's some times where it can get a little hairy for us <laughs> uh, scheduling-wise. Sure. So if you already have children that age in the home, what's adding another, you know, two? Yeah. I think that's a really great way to – Look right. at it. And you said, um, like, if you have kids that same age, um, you know, why not add a couple more? Did you have any reservation? Well, you said your kids were grown. But let's say they were still in the <laughs> home the same age. Would you have any reservation in adding children, foster children, into your home when they were the same age? Well, and let, let me add on to that. Foster children in your home that 
come with trauma, trauma right? Yes. And behaviors. You guys know what I'm talking about. So I want to add that piece. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I, honestly, we, we talk now about we wish we would have done it before. Hmm. We wish we would have not waited until our children were grown. Yeah. Um, because we notice the difference when there is multiple children in the home, even if they're not biological, as I was saying earlier. So I think now we really wish we would have done it sooner. Um, we think that, you know, if we'd have had two teenage girls in our home at the time that our girls were teenagers, they could have helped them. You know, yep. process some of the things yeah, that they've been definitely. through. Process some, yeah, and, and probably would be more open to them than they would be to us. Yep. So definitely, I say, if I could go back, I would have done it sooner. I right. think there's a value in a pack mentality, and if if we would have if we would have reached out, you know, earlier, then you you know you you have those kids that are the same age, and like my wife said. It would have given them some some resources that maybe we couldn't even offer them, right? Yeah. Uh, because our children going through the same thing, not exactly, but just going through life. Right. Uh, yep. Yep. It gives them kind of I'm not alone in that. Yep. I think you just hit on something. I love what you said about the pack mentality. I think that's so true. Um, Fostering truly is a family affair, right? The whole family, it's everyone that's in the home really loving and caring for these foster kids and accepting them and um, just love, right? Just love, basic love. And I think that's um, really, really important. And also for kids that have never had siblings, if you get a child placed in your Mm -hmm. home that you have biological children, can you just imagine the positive effect that would have on that foster child? Just the interactions in the home, learning from the other children? Yep. Yep. So. Right. Absolutely. So do you have anything else you would like to share or say or give any advice? Uh, if well, I guess we just had said it, but if you're fifty-fifty, just you know, take a chance. Yeah. Take a chance. Yeah. Do it, but be open with any concern uh, that you might have, and uh, just, just you know, just love, you know, just love the kids. That's that's great. You make it so simple, right? You, right. It is sim- It's simply love. Just do it jump off the cliff just and just there. do it yeah um i yeah. i think that's great um we our home church where we're from in alabama and it has over 30 foster children in the church wow um they started out one family started and then they realized you know and the pastor he, he basically said look you have resources why are we not doing this yep that's we see these children they need help you have the resources to help them. Why are we not helping them? Mm-hmm. And now, like I said, they've had well over 30 kids in foster care in the church. There's probably been at least that many adopted by families in the church. And we're not talking about a huge church that runs five to 600 people. We're talking about a church that runs 100 people. Oh, my And you goodness. said that. They have completely flipped that community oh. upside down and you because said, of that mentality. And you said uh, this was in Alabama? Yes. Well, why aren't we doing it here in Missouri? We need to right? start that in Missouri. Exactly. exactly. Uh, I'm with you. Yeah. You're with us. So you guys, um, you want to try and get something up and running and help us out? <laughs> <laughs> we'll I take you on the road. All right. We do push And we really appreciate that because, I mean, as you guys know, we have a desperate need and we need more people like Absolutely. you. Um, but I think you know more than any of us, you have to have the heart and the passion and the love to, to be able to do something like this. Right, definitely. And that just I, made I, me I think don't. of something else. Is So question to you guys before we close. What would you say to state workers on how we can better recruit for new foster homes? What's some ideas? Don't be afraid to tell the bad story, you know? Yes. Amen. Because I think there's, there's always that, that thought that it's there, but nobody ever talks about it. That's right. So if, I I think if, I think if state workers were more open, 
hey, this child does have some issues. Yeah. Um, and not and not try to keep that quiet. Um, I think more people would be willing to take a chance. You know, I'm so glad you said that, Mickey, because I think too often or not. Our, our staff, they're worried to share some of that stuff because we're afraid that the foster family is going to say, nope, nope, I can't handle that kid. I can't do this. And I think it, it's a huge worry for our workers. So I'm going to share what you just said because I think there's probably more foster families out there who think just like you. Like, uh, you need to know that stuff so you can really care for the kids the way they need to be cared for. Right. And, um, and not push it under the rug. Like, get it out. If you know that information before you get the child, you can prepare for that. That's exactly right. If you don't have that information before they come, then you're blindsided and you're like, what do I do? Yep. <laughs> so I think if you if you get that information ahead of time, you know, that this is the possibility. This is might be what happens. I mean, I feel like people would be more willing to, you know, maybe try. Right. And then you have those circumstances, and I'm sure you guys know, where us as children's division don't even know everything in their yeah. backgrounds we don't right. sometimes we have no oh, idea yeah. so right. you, you can definitely get that side as well yep yep oh yeah absolutely well we're we are on a mission we're on a mission to recruit people just like you because i think there's more people out there that really want to do this and they just need to hear from you right they need to hear from you who are doing it every day and have a passion to do it and you have such you have great advice and i think you know we're going to share this and hopefully our listeners are listening and they call our office and sign up i mean that would be my hope right definitely. and jessica's right. unit gets full and we're you know rocking and rolling right um but i really appreciate you taking the time you guys to to answer our questions and just share and be vulnerable because i think that's really hard to do and uh just continuing the work you're doing continuing serving our kids and making them better people and thank you so much thank you guys thank you guys well that was a great interview with the, with the goodwins right. um i uh, i feel so blessed to have interviewed the goodwins today because they really hit on uh accepting teenagers into their home and we have such a need um, for teenagers and um, older youth and are as a state, right, and as an right. agency, we're really focused on helping our older youth and teenagers. So it, I, I loved that the Goodwins really hit on that and talked and talked about that. And um, hopefully for future foster families out there listening, um, they will really take what the Goodwins says to heart and really consider taking teenagers into their home because it's such a need. How did you think it went? Um, I I love the good ones. They're, they're just fantastic. And for them to take birth to 17 in their home is just, it's amazing because that's large age range and different developmental stages and the different traumas. And But so one thing I wanted to ask you was you said older youth. And Everybody might not know what that means, but the age range, stuff like that. Yeah, great question, Jessica, great question. Um, <clears throat> so older youth with um, children's division, it really starts, technically it starts from age 13 all the way to 21. Mm-hmm. Some people don't realize or, or recognize that we can keep kids in foster care up to the age of 21. Um, so I think that that's um, hopefully enlightening for, for others out there listening. Um, and we have we have a we specialize in older youth because their needs are are really unique, and um, that's where we see um, significant behaviors. Of course, you got to think about it. They're developing just like any normal right, other right. teenager. They're developing. They're trying to figure out who they are. And when you add trauma and yeah. being exposed to abuse and neglect, um, it can really change how you develop. And Teenagers are our population that is most most challenging to place, um, and typically because because of behavior. Yes, um, but families like the Goodwins, who have seen success with teenagers in their home, I think really give us all hope that um, you can you can and accept teenagers and, and really work with them and give them hope. Right. Um, they, like even the mentioned, they even mentioned that in the interview. Um, yeah, like they said, that one of their teenage, I think it was a girl, 
right, mm -hmm. that they had in their home that she made the statement, I will, I will never get to go to college. And the good ones actually gave her hope for her future, they said. Yeah. And I just wanted to ask you, Shasta, because you, you know a lot. Um, you're kind of an expert in the older youth area. But like college, like I know we help with that. Yeah, absolutely. Right? There's so many services for older youth that come from our agency. Um, we help with college. We help with independent living. We help with uh, providing them advocates. We connect with other agencies so other agencies can really do that that one-on-one -on -one work with youth. Um, there is a ton of resources out there, but unlike we don't have a ton of families that like the good ones who are really um, taking these children in their home and these youth in their home and helping them have hope for their future. Right. And, um, I That gave me goosebumps when they said that because how often do we hear that? We, we hear that in yeah. our all the time, right? Like, yes. um, and I think um, it's enlightening to hear that come from a family that is just willing to open their home. And um, something else that they said that I love, and I'm going to um, – it's a family affair. Um, right. Fostering is a family affair, and um, it is. You know, it's not just about the foster parents. It's about who else is in that home, what if family is going to be supporting yes. these foster kids. It's not just a two-parent um, deal here. It's it's all literally fostering a family affair. Um, I, I love that because it took every single one of them to – bring those girls in and really show them hope and give them hope and, and really be, be there for them. Definitely. And like the good ones, you know, they didn't, they weren't, they didn't begin um, the fostering journey until their own kids were adults. So they had been through parenting teenagers, which I do feel like it was a benefit, is a benefit for them. Um, so they knew that they could do it. It's so glad that they did. A plug out to empty nesters because the good ones, yes. <laughs> you know, they 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 say they were empty nesters and they wanted to keep caring for kids. And so all of you that are listening that potentially may be empty nesters, if the good ones can do it, you can do. Um, so I think uh, again, if you have it in your heart at at any age, I think you can. Um, help our foster kids and provide them with a right. safe and nurturing home. Speaking of older youth, out of all the kids in state's custody, we have 4,814 who are in that older youth category. Um, out of close to a little over 13,000. So that's, that's significant. Um, the one thing about older youth that um, the good ones really, I think, um, give some insight to is it is the crucial time for someone to be a positive influence in, in an older youth's life, right? They are learning how to become an adult. Um, something that the Goodwins also mention is really seeing, giving them confidence, saying right. you can do this yes, you and can. you can succeed and really being that influence. So I think those of you out there uh, teenagers may sound hard and challenging, but let me tell you, I think, and the good ones state this, that it truly is one of the best and most crucial times to influence a child. And what more um, rewarding is it to know that you've helped someone grow to be a successful, productive citizen? I think that's one of the most rewarding things that you can um, do in life. And um, I think, thank you, Goodwins, for, for sharing that and, and doing doing that. Um, their story with the three siblings, um, girls who are now grown up, and right. um, they still communicate. Um, we've talked a lot about um, people being afraid to foster because of that attachment, um, but the Goodwins, they still have relationships with, with these, three, th these three kids, and um, you can still have that. You can provide that um, safe home and still have that connection, um, lifelong connection and influence. And, um, and that's what we would all want, right? That's right. what we strive to, to do. Um, 
Definitely. And the good ones, they really help mentor these kiddos towards independence. And, you know, I can think back to kiddos on my caseload and it just being saddened um, when they came into care and they're like, you know, what's a budget? They don't know what that is, mm-hmm. right? They have no idea. Or or even I remember specific instances, you know, what's a checkbook or um, what's, like, seriously, why would you use a bank? Yeah. Or um, a kiddo that was 18 that never got to learn how to drive or um, just, or, like, basic not knowing how to do laundry or cook an egg, just things like that that these foster parents are helping them with just day-to-day whether it's day-to-day grooming because some teenage some kids i mean most of them they need help with that or you know um especially the three girls that entered their home um that especially teenagers i think we see this more with teenagers is they want you to talk to them they want to share their story and the advice for foster families is to to just listen and be there when they're ready and to to be that voice and that hope and um they i think that's that's true you know they 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 want to feel safe so that they can share their story and hopefully that will help them heal with the guidance of good foster families and um willing to just be patient and and listen it's just really about them wanting to have a voice like a voice for them to tell the foster parents who they are, whether it's the foster parents, whether it's another adult or a community member, but also in their case with the children's division. I know that that was the one thing that teenagers told me all the time, that they wish they had more control over how their case with the children's division is going. They want a voice. I remember the good one saying that, you know, they wish they wouldn't have waited till their kids or grown adults and out of home. They wish they would have done it when their kids were still in the home. Oh, yes. And they talked about um, how when they were saying they wish they would have done it yes. before when their children were in the home because they really hit on um, it made such a difference when there was more kids in the home and the bond, that right. tax okay. mentality. Um, they just felt comfortable when you have kids, especially teenagers, similar in age, they can really talk to each other and lean on each other, unlike a parental teenage relationship, but more like a sibling relationship. It's so true when thinking into it, because I had two teenage boys, and they talk to each other about things that I'm sure they don't tell me. So that, that makes perfect sense that if their kids were still in the home, that they would be able to help with the kids placed in their home. Yeah, because in they also mentioned, and I believe this was Mr. Goodwin, where they talk about they're learning those positive behaviors from other kids their age, what more importantly it, when they're living together, right? I think that's um, very insightful. And um, I think all through this interview, we talk about how important it is for siblings to stay together um, because of the natural bond they have. And they hit on it where it is, um, a biological love that you can you can never sever, and um, when they're placed together, they do thrive. And um, again, we push as an agency keep siblings together, keep siblings together. There's purpose for that, and I think the good ones really hit hit that very well. They definitely did because those siblings, they're your lifelong connection. When your parents are gone or your grandparents are gone. They're your lifelong connection yes. most of the time. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I think all of us and those listening, if you have a sibling, you can relate to this. Right. I have siblings, and um, my connection to them are very, very strong, and um, that also goes for all of our, our foster kiddos, too. I mean, definitely no different. Something else, the good ones, I love our question, you know, because we're children's division, and we're always looking at how we can improve and do better. Um so when we asked them if they had any advice for state workers, um, which would be Jessica and I, right? Right. Um, I love what they said. Um, they said, don't be afraid as children's division staff to to be very open and transparent about what the child's trauma is. 
um, the better the foster families have an understanding of what that trauma is, it only makes sense, the better that they can help that child. Um, I think um, it's, it's something that we do need to work on. I think that because we have such a need for foster families, we are kind of reserved and sometimes we just don't know because they're just entering care, but other times we do know that the child's trauma and we are hesitant to share all of that in fear that the family's not gonna accept the child. But what I love about this interview is the Goodwin foster family's been doing it for a while. Yeah, they're they telling us, tell us all the good, bad, and ugly, because that's how we're gonna be able to get strong and help that child most. And it's so true. And we just need to remember that as, as staff with Children's yes, Division and, and uh, definitely um, connect the Goodwins with others who can share that. Something that I walked away from or I loved in this interview is when Mr. Goodwin says, we love them while we got them. And mm -hmm. I, love, I love that quote. I think it's a quote that um, really kind of showcases um, the vision of what it's like to be a foster family. We love them while we got them. And that's all we ask, right? right. That's all we ask of foster families is love them while you got them and fostering those relationships. So I appreciate Mr. Goodwin for quoting that. I'm gonna be using it for, for some time now. Um, but Jessica, do you have anything to add? Um, such a great interview with the Goodwins and um, anything else you wanna add? I just want to say to anybody watching that, you know, teenagers might sound a little scary, right? Like Shasta said before, but just take a chance on them and love them while you got them, like the good one said. That's great. Mic drop. Um, so I just want to thank you all for uh, listening to our monthly The Call to Foster podcast. Um, if you are interested in becoming a foster parent, please reach out to your local children's division office or you can Google search Department of Social Services Missouri and get some more information off the web. I appreciate y'all listening and uh, join us next month for our next podcast.